0: What's up, Fight Fans? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Tuesday, January 21st, 2020. This week's episode brought to you by Hopes and Dreams. Remember, the dream is free. The hustle is sold separately. What's up, guys? My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Natalie Zamudio.
1: Hello, hello, Double G. Welcome back to Los Angeles. How you feeling, man? How was Vegas?
0: Thank you, Natalie Z. Um, it was quite the ride. Um, it was a, quite the fight week. I think I was, I'll say this, I think I was more exhausted at the end of it than I was for International Fight Week last year. And International Fight Week, I think I remember I told you, it was bonkers because you had MMA awards and UFC Hall of Fame on top of media day, weigh-ins, press conference, fight night. So the fact that I'm more tired, the fact that I feel a little more drained off of this one than international, I think is saying everything.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that is saying a lot. That's crazy considering, yeah, the magnitude of, of uh, International Fight Week versus this, but hey, man, Conor McGregor
0: is Conor McGregor. It it definitely did feel like another ball game, and so obviously, guys, you know, we're going to start with that. Let's get right into it. You know, Natalie, by the time fight night happened, by the time you're casting the pay-per-view to your TV and you have baby Joe there ready to experience his first Conor McGregor fight, did it feel big? I mean, I know probably not Conor versus Habib, but did it feel like... Conor, Chad Mendez, Conor, you know Eddie Alvarez level. Did you feel that the hype, that extra pop?
1: You know what, man, I felt that earlier in the day, but I gotta tell you, by the time by the time Conor Conor McGregor and and Donald Cerrone came out, I think it might have been a little bit of a Holly Holm, uh, Raquel Pennington fight, maybe lulling me into too much of a relaxed state that I was definitely not personally not like as fired up as I used to be for Conor McGregor fights. Like, I would literally stand up in front of the TV and just watch the fights, like, standing up, nervous as heck. And this time around, I was, like, almost asleep until the very, very beginning of the fight, and then I was wide awake. So I think it's just a special circumstance on my end. Uh, but leading up to it, the the media, all the interviews he was doing, I definitely felt the the, the energy. I felt the pop. I felt, like... Everyone was fired up. I will say this, though. When the fight finished, the crowd was, at least it sounded to me like they were like so loud. They were all on their feet. You can speak to it um, if, if that was true or not, but it sounded like the crowd was fired up. Plus, Matthew McConaughey was there, so, I mean, come on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need. Um, yeah. you, you know what? For me, um, they had that ESPN Plus ad with, you know, like the oh. one that's just Connor the not most cowboy, one? yes that um, was amazing that one i'm not gonna lie i watched it a bunch during the week because it felt subdued with the press conference and everything but when i watched it and you know you got him you know and he's saying a lot of stuff a lot of language i don't like to hear myself repeat on radio but you know like the the notorious right and i'm getting there and we're waiting to check in and with all the media people that everyone uh, recognizes And um, I was saying, you know what? I love that ad. And I was trying to figure out why am I not feeling it? And it it just kind of clicked that it's like, you know why? Because we're not getting that guy. We're not getting the Notorious. We're getting Connor from Dublin and I'm you yeah, <laughs> you know and i was uh, i even said it i i kind of pumped myself up because i was trying to really i wanted to feel the energy i really wanted to feel that pop and i think that on saturday i did feel a little more like okay it really is showtime but i even told somebody you know i want the guy who apologized to nobody i want the guy who looked at the champion while wearing gucci mink I, you know, and I was uh, I was going to the bag of you know your familiar Conorisms, but I was like, you know, I kind of wanted it, and I think that that was it. Is that everybody was a little, you know, uh, what's it, reserved expectations because we hadn't gotten the notorious right, and so I do think that people were waiting, and I will speak to it in a second because um, we'll talk about the undercard, um, some thoughts about Holly versus Rocky for sure. But I felt like even when Conor came out and he didn't do the billionaire strut. Yeah. And even, uh, um, I'll tell you a story about that after. But um, to me, it was like, what the, uh, is it just, now it feels different. Um, Let's talk about the fight, though. Let's get to the bare bones of it. We've kind of almost danced around it. Um, The fight itself, I'm going to go first. For me, uh, everyone's talking about these amazing shoulder strikes. I want to give credit properly, and what I mean by that is sometimes to look like a genius, you just kind of do have to do something obvious on the big stage. I'll give you an example. Anderson Silva knocking out Vitor Belfort with the front kick to the face. It's not exactly complicated, but the fact that you do it effectively on a big stage, sometimes it's all you need to start something, right? Yeah. I'm going to give the same thing to Conor. It does not make a... Uh, it isn't rocket science. Cowboy, he's shorter. Cowboy's nose is right there. Your shoulder's in the perfect spot to just bam, do the damage. That being said, how often do you see a guy actually having the presence of mind and doing it in the fight? Not often. So I want to give credit where it's due. Connor just put it on Cowboy after that. The, you know, He steps back, goes for the head kick, tried a flying knee. Then when he started landing that left hand behind the ear, it was like, okay, this is the guy you've been wanting to see for three years, right? The guy who was putting down Aldo and Eddie Alvarez. That gave people the energy. That is the guy people did in the cage come to see. And I was very impressed by that. It was a very impressive performance. I want to toss it to you though, because I'm sure you know there's two ways to skin the cat when you watch this fight.
1: No, I, I I agree with you. Like that was the the topic of conversation. You know, the shoulder strikes, but he wasn't inventing reinventing the wheel there. That's that's just something that I think creatively people fighters just aren't open to. And, and yeah, I think I think what Conor is is a creative fighter, and so he's aware of where his body is, what part of what. You know, certain body part is closest to his opponent and just uses it right then and there. So, so that's just a, um, that's, to me, it's typical Conor McGregor in that he's using the shoulder right in front of, right to, to, excuse me, Cerrone's face. We just haven't seen it before from him or from most people, but that's what he does, man. So, so, that wasn't surprising. And he just blitzed him. He just ran him over and those beautiful hammer fists that were coming down, yeah, behind the ear. They have that, like, amazing whipping action. Not many people put that kind of stank on on those shots. And, uh, I mean, I feel for Donald Cerrone because he kind of jinxed himself the whole week saying, like, oh, you know, people think I I crumble under the pressure or, you know, when I get to the very top, I can't finish the race and all that kind of talk. And, well, it turned out to be another example of what people criticize him for. But he got just bombarded with shots and i don't know maybe somebody else could have could have withstood all all the uh the pressure but it it would have been hard i think for anyone else to 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 stand up to that too
0: yeah i think that you know you're taking that left hand directly behind the ear like he was you're not gonna stay standing someone brought up the stats and it kind of occurred to me that it's like i think we almost naively ignored it but They had the ESPN MMA, the crash-tested cowboy, like, graphic. And they showed, like, his nose, and they were, like, broken. And they reminded us... That was in June against Tony Ferguson. Then, by the way, he had a training camp, and, like, two, three months later, getting first-round knockout by Justin Gaethje. And then you're talking about he kind of went in there, and it's like, this is less than a year. You know, it's been six months with change since the... um. The Tony Ferguson fight. And you're telling me that he was taking that direct shoulder to the nose. You know, it, you should you really be surprised that it did that much damage quickly when you considered the state of his body after that? I don't care who you are. Your body, your face doesn't heal up, you know, 100%, 1000%, you know, perfectly when you've had a fight in between that performance. So I almost feel like, you know, we really, you know... I think that the Cowboy's activity might have gotten to him there a bit. That being said, let's say he keeps a little more distance, works a little more kicks. Would that fight have ended differently? We'll never know. And I want to give credit. This was not a Cowboy. I know I saw a lot of the analysts and it's like, this is a very tough fighter. This is a very talented and dangerous fighter. Uh, He, you know, he got caught. He stayed close to Connor, which everyone was like, well, if you're going to fight him, don't stay that close to him unless you're clinched up or on the ground against the fence. That didn't happen. Conor found the opening. Conor let go. That's a wrap, 40 seconds, and that's just, that just is what it is. Let's talk about the aftermath. Um, I think it's very clear that the UFC sees too much money on the table for Habib and Conor too, possibly. Uh, Dana White essentially said as much. Natalie, I'm going to say this. If you put a press conference tomorrow with Conor and Habib and you just watch what happens, interest would indeed skyrocket again. And I know, you know, is the fight going to be different? That's a story for another day. If you tell me no, I'm not going to disagree with you really. That being said, I do think that when you consider all of the factors from the hate and the culture and the fan bases and this and that and all the elements to it, Yes, the fight with Jorge is great stylistically. And their personalities are... uh, I'd argue that it's the second best matchup personality-wise over Conor and Nate Diaz. But the fact is, there's just so much more with the Conor-Habib fight. I get why they want to do that. And I want your thoughts on just how they seem to be playing this out.
1: Yeah, for as big as Jorge Masjol became in 2019... It's it's uh, uh, you know there's not really organic beef with him and Connor like there is with Khabib and there's the um, obviously the rematch and the history of the pay per view between the two of them I don't even really want to see Connor Masvidal I, I suspect we probably will get get that fight at some point but I feel like Connor should focus on 155 and I do think the guys the true welterweights are too big for him man I really do. And so, apart from the bigger fight being with Khabib, I also just don't want to see him fight these big dudes. It's, I mean, can he hang for a little bit? Yeah, but come on. Uh, he, he, what he'll have to do is he'll have to employ a strategy like like the way Dominic Cruz talks about when he first started out and he had to compete at 155 and, and why he has that style where he's bouncing around all the time. Because these guys are bigger than him, and he don't want to get hit. So if Connor sticks around at 170 and fights these real these real 170 guys, he'll have to do something like that. I just want to see him at 155. Let's see him fight could be Ferguson, Gaethje, Poirier. Like, there's plenty of money there.
0: Yeah, I think to me when I look at the situation big picture, and I think about okay, what do I know about who, what's money, what makes the money for them who's available look at the calendar if it were to happen i feel like best case scenario if you're ufc he fights you know the winner of habib tony and then look win or lose uh jorge masvidal or the welterweight title is always up there right you know yeah and, and like okay just you don't lose your big money fight and you could always sell, well, it's another way. Even if, let's say, he were to lose first round something against either guy, right? Hypothetically. You could still make a fight, well, back at 170 where he doesn't have to cut in. You know, we know what kind of, how the commercials are sold and the promos are made, right? We've all seen it by now. Yeah. I can see that happening. And then, on the other hand, let's say it, you've got Kamaru, who, I, I, I know Jorge is talking about April, May, Kamaru, it seems like June is gonna be the sweet spot, at least we're all hoping, and myself included. You could easily do Jorge versus Kamaru, and let's say Jorge comes out on top with the welterweight title. Imagine how big now a fight with Connor is. That could be something. Or, you know, Kamaru Uzman, after you've dispatched Colby and Jorge, is the you know, now is the fan base hyped up, or even if you just sell it as Connor trying to become a two-division champion again or, you know, win a title in a third weight class, all these other factors, right? So I think that's the easiest way to make this work on everyone's timetable, plain and simple.
1: Yeah, and if you're talking Jorge beating Kamaru and then essentially being a, a two-belt champion, that looks good on a poster, you know? So so that's a, that's always an option, even though I don't want to see connor fight masvidal i I would get excited for that
0: well i mean okay hypothetically let's say habib or tony be connor imagine con like you just said connor right there on the poster and masvidal possibly with regular title and bmf title
1: yeah i mean come on you don't got
0: to say anymore (laughs) right shoot Make a generic poster. You don't even need boss logic level poster to no, get man, hyped up just, about that one.
1: Yeah, I can make this, I can make that poster on my uh, computer and it <laughs> would look great. Exactly. <laughs> do it on your phone. Freaking. Yeah, do on my phone. And then you got your proper 12 and your Mescal, Mezcal. Like, you yes.
0: Know. See, you're, you are thinking. <laughs> Dude, that would be so awesome. Everyone's just getting, <laughs> everyone's just getting lit <laughs> all <Right>. fight week. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> no, but um, uh, I get it and it's, uh, you know, uh, Connor and the Habib rematch, there's just too much money on the table, guys. I understand if you think it'd be an instant replay from two years ago when you consider Styles, but the UFC and Justin Gaethje, I think, said it best. It's like Dana White, believe it or not, also has bosses who want him to make the fight. I think that says everything you need to know about why is it such a focus for them and why it's, a, it's such an easy sell. So Yeah, totally. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the main card stuff. Uh, first off, I think the big fight that surprised everybody, Roxanne Modaferi versus Macy Barber. Let me start with the very basic question. Would that fight have ended differently had Macy not hurt her knee
1: more? You know what? I'm not sure, man. And, and I'll tell you what. Last week, I picked Macy Barber to win by decision. Because I knew she was going to come out aggressive, but I thought that Roxanne was smart, experienced, and she was going to be able to to at least keep herself from getting finished. And then Saturday morning, um, a friend of mine was in Vegas and asked if there was anybody they could bet on. Uh, And they sent me a picture of all the, you know, the fight card. And I saw the odds for Montefiore Barber, and I thought, that's insane. And I thought, you know what, Mataferi might actually have a chance here. I, I changed my mind, and I said, I think she could win this. And so I told him to put money on her, and he got some. Uh, he got some cash for it. Um, how many zeros? Come on. I don't. I don't know how much he bet. I we suggested fifty. I don't know what he actually put down. But I should have asked him to put money down for me instead.
0: <laughs> Follow up, man. That I know. I even asked Roxanne that. It's like, what's your message to everyone who got paid? And she was just like, heck
1: yeah, you know. Um, yeah, let, unreal. Let, so, 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 yeah, anyways, to answer your question, uh, I don't think it would have gone that much differently because Montefiore looked really good. Her stand-up actually impressed me. And she's very good on the ground. And, yeah, Macy Barber hurt herself, hurt her injured her knee. But she was already – I would say that round was already going Montefiore's way before that happened. So I think it could have been interesting. What do you think?
0: So I saw the dad say that they think it happened 10 seconds in – um, I did not see the footstep. That's not to say that, you know, it didn't happen, but it looked like Montefiore's uh, game plan was straight punches, clinch to the takedown all day. That looked like it was going to be working from the get-go. I think that, um, I mean, how do you even say it? You know that Macy Barber is a powerful, explosive fighter. Roxanne struggles with it. I really don't know either. I will say this, that if she was indeed hurt from the first round, then you got to, you know, call it macaroni like we like to say. (laughs) If it did happen from the second onward, I I will say this. Macy was getting some sweeps from the bottom that really impressed me. And I want to give credit where it's due. She is one tough cookie who hung in there with a very game Roxanne. Uh, That being said, though, it looked like Roxanne was going to be a tough customer from the get-go. You could really see that in her body language, so i 'm going to give credit where it 's due that regardless of whether it would have been different, it was going to be a tough fight so uh, but I will say that the leg injury, because we can 't seem to pinpoint when it happened, if it did happen so early, if it did, then you know what it's just such tough luck for Macy, and we all know why you know people were high on her and everything else so um but yeah, Roxanne went out there and handled business and um. Yeah, just crazy. Let me toss it another angle. She is clearly hurt in the second. And I understand, you know, it's either throw in the towel or let them fight. When she went back to the stool, is there anything about the corner putting her back out there even though they know she's compromised now?
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, it it wasn't like um, she, she was injured, but she wasn't like catastrophically injured. And so I, I don't, you know, if, if she was facing somebody like Amanda Nunes or, Chris, let's just say, someone that was like a bomb thrower or a Chris Cyborg, someone that was, like was going to come out and pummel her, then maybe you, you could say, well, you know, this isn't worth it. Um, no disrespect to Roxanne, that's just not her, her fighting style and she doesn't have that kind of power. So there could have still been a chance for Barbara to, to, to find a way to win. And so I don't think there was, to me, there wasn't an issue with her getting put back out there. Um, it was a little weird when she went to the corner, though. The cut man tried to try to wipe her face, and she kind of shucked him off, and she was talking to the doctor. It, it was kind of interesting. I wasn't sure if she was trying to. Initially, I thought she was saying, I'm done, I'm done, like that she didn't want to fight anymore. Obviously, that wasn't what she was saying. Uh, but it was just a little weird. And then uh, also, <laughs> I enjoyed the... Uh, uh, I think it was Joe Rogan or somebody uh, laughing at the doctor's amazing uh, ability to diagnose her her injury just from, like, touching her knee for a second. That was pretty funny.
0: Now, I've had people say that that is possible, but it's kind of like checking someone's pulse in a loud room. It's like, can you really do that? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, yes, you technically you should be able to, but still, even for a professional, with all the noise and the sounds and – I would feel like it's hard to get the focus you actually need in the moment. But, uh, you know, far be for me. You know, like I am not a doctor. If you are honestly that good, I'm glad your powers as a healer exist. I would say yeah. that now.
1: The insurance um, company probably loves someone like that. You don't need to do a, an MRI. Heck
0: yeah. Um, <laughs> in terms of the, I, like the cut man. I think she was just feeling very stressed and was having like a, you know like don't touch me right now kind of moment. Which we have all had, you know, I've had that, you know, several times in my life. And, you know, it's like, it's not right now. I'm trying to pump myself up to win the fight, right? Yeah. I get that. I do feel when she kind of goes down immediately and she let out that, you know, the yelp, the screech a bit, that one was a little ugly. That one to me... I did feel like, you know what, that was a very throw-in-the-towel moment. It was not going to get better for your athlete, plain and simple, especially when they hit the ground. I was like, you know, are you about to outgrapple Roxanne Montefiore? And yeah. yes, she did get the sweep. And yes, and all that. It was just ugly. And, you know, if I had seen that happen to a guy, I would have still said the same thing because it's like, what are you going to do? Just let him take another beating for another five minutes? Um. That to me was a little, oh, that that one was on the line. And I know Ben Askren is there and he's a vet and everything. But, you know, I almost feel like you got to ask that question too in that moment because it did look bad. But, yeah, um, it
1: did. And, and, yeah, you know, you don't know what's really injured and if more things are tearing uh, in that in that moment. And so definitely worth considering. But, well, I mean. I know, they we're not they in didn't there, do right?
0: <laughs> like, we're not in there, right? It's yeah. tough, it's tough. Let's talk, well, you know, obviously, so Macy Barber out nine months, so definitely, look, credit where it's due on the toughness, feel better soon. The post-fight speech was a little awkward, and I don't know if it was stress and she was trying to be classy because she knows she wants to get to a place in her career, but I think it just could have been phrased a lot better. For Macy, I will say that as my did last she, point. Did she,
1: like, I think, I wasn't sure if I missed it. Did Roxanne, you know, see the mic to her, or did Macy just step in and start talking first?
0: I think Macy just kind of stepped in and took it.
1: Yeah, that was weird.
0: It, it was, I think I would used a slightly different language. It would have come out a little better. But look, I mean, she's young. Things, people aren't perfect. And, you know, I just... Better next time in terms of yeah, that moment. Yeah. I'll say that. But, yeah, in, in terms of the language, I was like, wait, what? You know, <clears throat> that was my one thing about it. Uh, let's talk about some of the other fun stuff. You had a lot of finishes. Diego Ferreira got the knock, sorry, the submission on Anthony Pettis. Just really put that pressure on him. Drew Dober got the finish of Nazrat Hapkaras. That was one of the more impressive ones. So there were some very nice performances by some guys looking to break through. Diego, especially in the lightweight division, that is huge when you talk about beating Anthony Pettis the way he did. Um, Drew Dober's been around for a minute too. So I really like those. Super Sadiq had a good fight. The next one though, um, Holly Holm versus Raquel Pennington. Uh, Just what, what happened there?
1: Man, I don't know. I, I, uh, I really thought Pennington was going to take this one. In fact, I told my friend to put money on her, too. So I gave him good, good advice, bad advice.
0: I would but have just see- kept that to myself and been I like, I was the genius.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I told him exactly what to do. Yeah. Seriously, man. And then, you know, you see her in the, uh, in the countdown. You see her on Embedded. You see her back in the locker room on fight night hitting pads. And she's throwing bombs, man. Hitting so hard. And fast, and then she gets in the in the cage and does nothing. Does none of that, I should say. Not that she does nothing. She doesn't do any of that. Doesn't doesn't show off any of that power, any of that speed. I mean, w- yeah, what happened? Like Holly Holm, she's not going to knock you out with her fists. Obviously, we've seen her head. We've seen her head kick. You know, Ronda Rousey and Betch Cahaya to the moon. But I think that the threat isn't so serious that you can't, if you're Pennington, that you can't take a little risk and, and push. Push forward and try to get some stuff going, but it was very weird, man, and disappointing because I thought Pennington won the first one, so I was ready for her to really show that she can convincingly beat Holly Holman this time around and went the other way, and it was kind of a boring fight to to boot.
0: Yeah, um, Dana did mention it's like you know you you know just let them clinch against the fence for a while. Right. Uh, I mean, like Holly did. I mean, look, the ref doesn't break. It's up to you to get out of that position. So if you're yep. Holly and you're winning the fight, I understand it's not broke, don't fix it. It looked like just physicality. She was able to outmaneuver Raquel, and I think that that was just it. Um, I was, you know, once again, like with Rocky, we know what she brings to the table. So to see her kind of get shut down a little bit, that is full credit to Holly Holmes. She did do what she had to and uh, she fought a very tactical fight. She got herself back in the win column following that loss in for, for the title. So all of that I kind of put into context. But certainly, you know, when you expected them to kind of trade a little more in the middle and have to get after it, the fact that so much seemed to kind of spend against the fence uh, was a little jarring, especially when everyone's kind of ready to see Conor McGregor come out, right? So I definitely get the reaction for sure. Yeah,
1: you want something a little, you want a little bit of a, of a you want a nice appetizer, not just like, you know, stale bread. And uh, I think that's what we got a little bit. But I will did, say- Did they get cold macaroni? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we got some cold mac. Um Holly Holm, though, since her – at least I noticed this change since her divorce. I don't know if it's related. But, damn, she looks more and more cut. It's almost like she has zero body fat these days. So, you know, it, it wasn't surprising that she was stronger than Pennington uh, because if you see her, if you if you follow her Instagram, she's always doing some crazy strength strength training, you know, body weight exercises. Um,
0: she's lifting up karate hottie like, like that – Plyometrics, yeah, you know, calisthenics, so, and know, everything. Don't
1: mess around with Holly Holm. She'll she'll hold you against the cage for five minutes without a sweat, without breaking a sweat. You're saying revenge body Holly Holm is someone to watch out for. Yeah, revenge body, exactly. But uh, you know, I just wish it had been a more exciting fight. Like you know, Holly Holm has has the striking. So does Pennington, and nobody really used that. They just uh, they just did the cage dance. So, oh well.
0: Yeah, I will say this. It's also very weird because, I mean, we talked about it a bit. What happens now at Bantamweight for the women? Um, I still think Irene Aldana fights uh, Aspen Ladd. Where does Holly Holm fit into that? I don't know. I really don't know. I I, I will say this. Any matchup, you kind of take it at this point because I don't think, uh, you know... Anybody getting the Amanda Nunes fight is going to feel like winning the lottery because it's like, you know, she could pick anybody. There's no obvious contender anymore. So if you get it, I mean, like, good for you. You know, the dominoes kind of fell into place for you. But in terms of an obvious pecking order, that she has kind of wiped the board off with that and thrown it in the closet. That is gone at the Bantamweight division.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And Rani Aldana, that that her 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 knockout against him. Um, oh boy, who uh, did she knock Kellen out? Kalen Vieira. That was incredible. She looked so good. I love her boxing style. I was bummed that we couldn't see Grasso because they're out of the same camp and they both have that really sweet, just sweet boxing man. Um, yeah. and and but what I was thinking as you were talking is that you know she's someone that you know is is probably going to be up there with Nunes soon. But, you know, why don't you do home Durandami too, since they're both, uh, or since, Ooh. you know, Durandy's coming off the loss, Nunez, home as well, but home has that win. You know, let's let them fight each other and see what happens.
0: I didn't think of that. I like that. I yeah. like that fight a lot. I think that makes a lot of sense for both women, really.
1: Totally, yeah.
0: Man, you know. Maman Zamudio is, you know. Something's happening. 7.45 p.m. <laughs> she's keeping up with Revenge Body Holly Holm right now yeah. in terms of their great <laughs> ideas. This is working. I like it. No, I love that fight. I think I didn't think of that one. I love it personally.
1: Yeah, maybe, uh, what, March? No, maybe April for the uh, Brooklyn Khabib. Uh, oh,
0: yeah, the site of the first battle kind of deal. Yeah. Why not? Big names, former champs, bolster the card. I'm with it. Let's um, move on to some MMA news. You know, Conor is back, and I'm sure we'll be hearing about that plenty soon enough because that's the MMA world we live in. But they have made it official. Israel Adesanya will be taking on Yoel Romero in the main event of UFC 248. That one taking place in Vegas on March 7th. I mean, what else needs to be said? Adesanya coming off a career year, beat Anderson Silva... Robert Whitaker, Kelvin Gastelum, 1A and 1B with Jorge Masvidal as fighter of the year. Uh, Romero, it was an epic fight, but he did lose the decision to Paulo Costa back in August. Paulo is apparently hurt until about June. Um, so the fight where Romero comes together pretty quickly. Uh, very bluntly, you know, and people brought this up Jared Cannonier was supposed to fight on the same card with Robert Whitaker. Robert is out of the card. I know there are rumors out there. He hasn't said anything publicly, so I want to leave that as his business. You know, uh, I heard it, you know, if it is something serious, then certainly best wishes. But, you know, Jared is expected to still be on the card. But now you have the fight out Romero. What are your thoughts?
1: I don't understand this match. I mean, I get that Israel, I understand that he requested to fight Yoel Romero. I just don't know why. Um, hasn't he lost like two in a row? Uh, I... Yoel, uh,
0: yeah. He, yeah. So he lost I just don't. And, yeah.
1: I just don't get why um, why that's appealing to to Adesanya. You know, I suppose he sees. You know, I mean, Yoel Ramel is like a human specimen, and you probably want to want to have a win over him in your. Uh, And on your record, but yeah, it's just strange. And I also thought his fight with with Paulo Costa was, was, was weird too. So I'm clearly not on board with this. Uh, I'm not, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid on this one, but you know, I I do want to see Adesanya fight no matter who the opponent is. So I'll take it, but, but not totally excited about the opponent in this, in this instance, but very excited to see Adesanya, you know, he's the kind of guy who's going to be showing us new things every fight. So Let's see how he dispatches Romero. You know, excuse me. for me, the
0: weird thing about the fight is that, you know, everyone talks about Romero and the wrestling, Romero and the wrestling. I don't know if it's the last few opponents, but have you seen Romero wrestle much in the last few fights? And that's my thing. And I remember I brought it up. Dan Henderson was another guy. Everyone would talk about the wrestling and it's like, but does he use it? He kind of just looks for the right hand anymore. And look, I mean, yes, yo, Romero is a physical specimen. Is it something he doesn't like to talk about it, but maybe, you know, he's hurt himself and the wrestling is harder for him at this stage of his career? I don't know. I will say this. The Romero striking that we've seen isn't enough to outstrike Israel Adesanya. No, unless he gets in there and lands the haymaker. I don't see him winning a striking battle with Izzy for five rounds. I'll tell you that right now. So I want to see, you know, if he is going to be that guy, we need to see the wrestling from the the get-go. He needs to become Yoel Nurmagomedov, plain (laughs) and simple. You know, that's exactly the fighter I think we need to see. He has the acumen, you know, that he has not forgotten how to. So for whatever reason, I think he needs to get that stylistically. Um, The fight was always going to come together, and we've talked about this before on the show, but the second Paulo Costa wasn't going to happen, and you knew Israel was going to fight, the Yoel Romero carrot was just a little too appealing. Yes, if you're Jared Cananier, you should be frustrated. You should be mad. You should speak your mind. But I think anyone who's seen the business and how it works... Everyone understands how to sell a pay-per-view. Everyone knows Yul Romero, Izzy, sells better on pay-per-view at this stage. Plain and simple. So, um, yeah, I-, I think that it's... Uh, <sighs> Yul Romero on the name value, the Paulo Costa fight was weird, but it wasn't bad. So I think that that kind of sells itself in terms of his side. But certainly in terms of guys who are on the upswing, Jared is right there. We wanted the Paolo fight, and this is just, you know, another, and I'm going to say this one more time, just to warn you, this is how the the dominoes fell, you know? Or this is how the cards fell. Yeah. The cards were dealt, the dominoes fell, what the crystal ball told us. Um, (laughs) I'll think of another metaphor later, don't worry. Okay. Okay, but yeah, you get what I'm saying.
1: I hear you. I feel you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but um. I'm not going to lie. When they get in the cage, I'm certainly ready to see that. I do think it's still a fun fight for as long as it goes. Um, But yeah, I think that's my first thing. Um, Yo Romero got to do some damage early to slow down Izzy if it's a striking battle. There's no other scenario where he pulls that one out against a guy like Israel. I just don't see it.
1: Yeah, no no way. I mean, he's still super athletic and and he can, you know, try to throw some kind of fly knee or something, and do his like his blitzing punches that he that he likes to do. But yeah, you're telling me that Israel Adesanya, who first like not only did he request to fight Romero, but has probably been studying him for so long. You don't think he's going to be prepared for anything Romero has to offer? I, I bet it'll be a quick one. I don't think this is going to be a war. Ooh. I'm saying it now. Natalie coming out with that cold
0: ice. Winner is here. Ice, baby. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> All right, let's move on to another matchup. Dana White confirmed that the UFC is looking to book Henry Cejudo against Jose Aldo for the Bantamweight title. It is expected to take place on May 9th in Brazil. Uh, Cejudo, great year. Coming off becoming a double champ, the win over Malin Morais, which was epic back in June. Jose Aldo, the razor-close split decision loss to Moraes in December. Um, to address the elephant in the room, White said bluntly, this is the kind of fight that, quote, supersedes the rankings and the other factors and the other guys on win streaks. It is just that level of a fight. Um... That, <laughs> I will say this. The UFC and Henry both wanted Aldo to win that fight with Moraes. It just didn't happen. And I've ta- uh, um, I know that you were on maternity leave that week, but I did also <coughs> talk about it that, like, when I first watched it, I had Aldo winning on the rematch. I did give those little extra points in the decision to Moraes, but it was still close. You know, you want for the best, and sometimes that happens, right? The UFC kind of playing a bit of that revisionist <coughs> history in this case. Um, I mean, it is what it is. I will say this. Are you more excited for Henry Cejudo versus Aldo compared to the other guys? If you're a casual fan, probably. And, you know, but once again, if you're Aljamain Sterling, Pewter um, you know, a lot of the Marlon Moraes, certainly, once again, they're kind of, Hanging out with Jared Cannonier, talking about, you know, getting some justice. I get that. I think also this is another obvious one of how it came together. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's both sides really pushed for it. And also, these are on ESPN Plus now. Or is it still guaranteed to be a pay-per-view or could it be a fight night? I think that's another question you got to maybe bring up with these two.
1: Yeah, man. When I heard about this, I was like, "What? <laughs> what the heck is happening?" And and you know, yeah, White Dana White saying it supersedes rankings. I mean, I guess if it was Jose Aldo maybe a few years ago, but now and coming off the loss to Marias, like it's it doesn't it doesn't jive with me. Like if you want Cejudo to fight a big name. And I know that's what he's been wanting, right? He, he called out Faber and Cruz at some point. I mean, I would rather see Cruz come off the couch and fight Cejudo than, you know, right now than Jose Aldo. Whatever, I'll watch it. But yeah, if you're going to do something that random, then it just seems unfair now to the folks who do deserve the shot, like Al Jermaine, Piotr Jan, like, come on, man. And unless Cejudo really just wants to, and this might be the case, just beat a couple big names and then retire. So he wants a win over Aldo. Okay. He wants a win over maybe one more big name, Cruz, favor, whoever else is out there. And then he goes off into the sunset. Fine. But then let's do it fast so that these other guys can get their shot at the belt and, and take the division forward.
0: I mean, look, uh, uh, if you're Henry Cejudo, I get it. You talked all this big game and all these big name guys that you've been wanting to fight haven't been able to get a W. Dominic Cruz is still out with injury. Aldo lost. Faber lost. And, you yeah. know, now he's thinking I got to put all the marbles on the line against, you know, respectfully, a guy that most people probably aren't thinking is, you know, the $50, $65 pay per view ticket price. I, I, I certainly understand that from the business side of things um i do believe that jose aldo is still a great fight it's still a fun fight um the other guys i I think that ask to be on that card and be ready to step up um if you're pewter look to you know tell al that you better bring it and let's do this that's the only thing i could really think of but um yeah if you're cejudo Uh, It's tough because really at Bantamweight, it's a weird situation, right? Because it's almost turning into a bit of the flyweight division. What I mean by that is that he's built himself into this guy, right? And yet, you know, the other guys, Aljamain and Pewter, and I get it, he's kind of coming in in turnover. It's like, well, the new guys haven't elevated to elite, big-name status yet. And, you know, so... He feels like the you know the big money fight isn't there. Uh, sometimes that's how the way the cards are dealt. I like the Aldo fight, but I do think this is a sooner rather than later situation with the other two.
1: Yeah, I yeah yeah it is it is it is. So whatever, let's just do it. <laughs> let's talk a little bit the fight though. Um, Jose Aldo can
0: he beat Henry Cejudo at 135?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so because I, for me, I go back to that performance that Cejudo had against Marias, and Marais just beat Aldo. I thought he beat him. Like I wasn't even questioning it when the decision was being read. Um, and so, so no, I don't think so. That weight cut looks too severe. I don't know if you've heard anything about how he felt, um, cutting weight, how he felt in the cage that day. But no, I don't think so. I think, uh, I think Cejudo still has the advantage here. Maybe he'll be, yeah, he'll be the smaller guy, but that doesn't hold him back. We've seen it.
0: I will say, not without leg kicks for Aldo, and um, you know, we, I talked about it. I've talked about it several times. Is that um, he does a good job hiding it, but he really hasn't used them with frequency. He's become a fantastic boxer since he's stopped using them. That being said, I do think that Cejudo isn't a guy you're going to just use your hands with and get the victory. I think that if you don't chop him down and slow him down, um, it is an uphill battle uh, against a guy with the wrestling and the striking of Cejudo, to be honest. So that's my big X factor. I think size-wise, he'll compete with him. I think athleticism, he can hang with him, but without using a couple extra weapons, you're at a bit of a deficit against this you know did you hear he's an olympic level wrestler too
1: <laughs> yeah just olympic level or did he like i don't know win a couple medals i don't know
0: no uh, kayla harrison reminded me that he has won and, you know and did <laughs> not win one. and he did not win worlds like she ah. did apparently Nah, but um that was a fun little exchange to witness Let's predict some fights. The first one, I think the smaller card of the weekend, UFC Rally from North Carolina. Heavyweight contender Curtis Blades takes on former champion Junior Dos Santos. Fun fight. I think that this is a big jump for Curtis, but I think also this is that one that gets him into that upper echelon of the division. Junior Dos Santos, he's kind of always right there. What are your thoughts on the fight?
1: I hope that um, that Curtis Blades engages Dos Santos and not just tries, and doesn't just try to you know hold him against the cage, take him down, take him down. You know, I really like Dos Santos. I love his boxing. I'm a big fan of his in general. So I'm hoping that he can he can keep enough distance to work his to work his hands and avoid getting you know held down for, for multiple rounds. So, uh, so, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. I think it's because of how Blades likes to fight, we are, we're at risk of it potentially turning into a little bit of a, a snoozer. But Dos Santos is experienced. He's a veteran. I think he can still make the fight his own. So I'm hoping he can do that. I'm really hoping he can school Blades a little bit and show him how to put on a good fight.
0: For me, I think that the big thing, yeah, is the wrestling I think that uh, when talk about Junior and his ability to do that, he's certainly proven it. But I'd also like to say that he hasn't really fought a grappler in a minute. When you look at, you know, Taito Vasa and Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou, they weren't really looking to wrestle him. This is certainly a big one. And I, you know, I'll say it very bluntly. This is a tough one for him because Curtis Blades knows the upside. And also, you got to talk about Junior was reportedly struggling with the leg and all that, and he had the bad infection. They said he could have died and lost the leg. I mean, that's a, quite a lot. And he even admitted I don't know if you uh, read the piece from The Athletic, but even as much as earlier this month, he still wasn't throwing kicks because they were like, no, we don't want you to risk an infection right now. You can still that's fight crazy. and work out. Yeah. Uh, like what what um yeah see we're on the same page (laughs) that to me is the big one uh you know what junior he doesn't really need a kick when he's got those hands right i think that if he can establish his distance well enough it's a fight if he gets taken down once it's very tough to see him still having the wind in the sails also, a twenty-five-minute fight. You know, he could be dragged into deep water in this one. So, oh, it's tough. But I'm not gonna lie. He's one of those guys I just seem to always believe in. I'm gonna go with Junior Dos Santos. Outmaneuver, stays on the feet like a cat, catches the uh, Curtis Blades and slows it down.
1: Yeah, I, I'm. I'm on the same page. I, I even though there is this this threat of being wrestled into into boredom um i think dos santos can can find a way to keep it to make it his fight and uh i'm I'm gonna pick him by decision actually i think it'll still go the distance
0: Ooh, all right i know there we go there we go apparently natalie likes long fight nights
1: I don't. She
0: picks a lot of these fights to go to decision. I man. do pick a lot of <laughs> them to go to decision.
1: But okay. you know what I always do, like, and this is an exception. When it's a heavyweight fight, as soon as as soon as it starts, I'm like, oh, this is going to end. This is going to this is going to end quickly, and then it ends up going the distance. So I always bite myself in the in the shoot myself in the foot when it's a heavyweight fight. Um, so maybe this one will be the opposite. That would be great if it finished in round one. Well, what I was going
0: to say is I'd like to tease you because um, I don't know if you saw, it, but uh, I did a previous show, I think it was 245, with Fernanda Pratish. And uh, she picked, like, you know, all three title fights and one on the main card to go to decision. And I'm like, well, apparently it's going to be a long fight. Night. <laughs> and, then she was like, and then she was like, okay, maybe they won't all go to decision. <laughs> no, but, um, yeah, it's, it's tough. When it's a big fight, you almost don't expect two elite level... Two elite level guys to go down. Feel like they have to push each other to the limit. I get it. Uh, I just like to tease you about it. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about, I think it's going to take precedence. Um, Chris Cyborg's Bellator debut. She challenges Julia Budd for the featherweight title. Um, You also had the featherweight grand prix. Adam Boricks, Darian Caldwell. Um, A very California friendly undercard with Aaron Pico, Ava Knight, and guys and girls like that. Um let's talk about the big fight in the featherweight division. Um Chris Cyborg is happy to just show up and do work. Julia Bud wants to prove that, you know, she wasn't always holding second place that she is one of the best. How do you see this one going down?
1: Man, if I'm Cyborg, I, I'm going to I wouldn't be I should say uh, I hope she's ready. I hope she's ready to face a tough challenge because Anytime a UFC fighter, and granted Cyborg mostly made her career outside of the UFC, but anytime a fighter comes from UFC to Bellator, their opponent, the first fight for that debut is ready to prove to them and everybody that, hey, Bellator has the better fighter and I'm the one. And in this case, you're talking about a legend in Chris Cyborg. You're talking about Julia Budd wanting to cement her legacy and... And prove that her promotion is better, that her division is better than the UFC's, which at the very least it has actually, there actually is a division in Bellator, not like a UFC. And uh, you know she's a she's a killer striker, so I think she's going to come out strong. I don't think she's going to try to to ease into the fight with Cyborg, and the risk for Cyborg is to go to perform the way she did with Amanda Nunes, right? Because the pressure's really on her. Sure, she 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 won her her last fight at the UFC, but it was Felicia Spencer. Like most people probably still, you know, don't know who she is. So Chris Cyborg has to stay patient if she wants to win, and Julia Budd, I think, has to put on the pressure if she wants to win. It's gonna be an exciting fight, man. I think I think they both have a lot to prove here. For me,
0: and I go back to an interview I did with Marlus Kunin, and I asked her, like, who hits harder, Cyborg or Julia? And she was kind of like, I-, I can tell you right now, I remember how hard Chris Cyborg hit me. said, Julia is strong, but I remember Chris Cyborg hitting me. You know, hmm. kind of deal. And um, I think that's a factor. They're both so good. I know that people don't give Julia enough credit. You know, they tend to put her on smaller Bellator cards, which I think is a shame um but she is an elite level talent she is exactly the way that you hope these divisions get built you know they find the best talent available and they give them to her and she handles business uh that being said you're fighting chris cyborg right i think that when i look at the two of them they fight very similar big powerful physical they tend to be able to break opponents with just those qualities if we're being honest that being said I think that Chris is a little bit cleaner and more fluid of a striker, especially her boxing. Uh, Julia, you know, ironically, she's actually very good at countering. You kind of see her, she doesn't try to walk forward too much. She kind of lets the shots come and looks to counter a bit. I do feel like Cyborg tends to force the issue a little more in her fights. Um, That being said, Julia also tends to go to the ground a little more often. Um, I think that, you know, Cyborg, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Some fighters, they go to the ground if the striking isn't working. Others, they kind of look for it just to mix it up. Julia is the latter. I think that, you know, if she sees the opening, she's going to try to take you down. Um, I think that that's the big difference. I think that Cyborg is very good. Julia is also good everywhere. This is kind of now to prove Just how great are these two women? Because also, respectfully, uh, take the Amanda Nunes side out of it. When was the last time you saw Cyborg fight somebody as big as Julia Budd? Yeah. Powerful and cut and muscular and you could tell she's strong. Just hasn't happened in quite a long time. So I'm really excited for this. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think at the end of the day, Chris Cyborg just does a few things. A little bit more fluid and a little cleaner. That being said, I can see this one going uh, quite a while. And Julia bud has been proven in the later rounds at featherweight. So I think it's going to be a good one. I still think Chris Cyborg just gets more damage done in the early rounds, even if it goes to decision. If not, catch her for the
1: finish. Wow, okay. Well, I uh, you know what? I don't know, man. I kind of feel like Julia Bud's going to take it to go the distance here. I know, uh, <laughs> I guess I really want a long card <laughs> on Saturday night. And uh, I'm going to pick Julia Budd by decision. I know that sounds a little wild, but something tells me Chris Cyborg might be a little bit um, too amped up. Oh. No, no, no. Well, that's possible, but that's not what I was thinking. Just a little bit too worried about making the mistake she did with Nunes. And in playing it a little safe might just end up letting Julia outpoint her. It's unlikely based on what we've seen of Chris Cyborg before, but I really believe psychologically this is such a big moment for her career, for her legacy, and she doesn't want to lose. And I think she'll I think she'll be more cautious. I think that'll play to Julia's advantage. We'll see. I'm not going to put any money on it, but that's where I'm going, man.
0: <laughs> Apparently, you're good at this, though, no? Um, <laughs> let me ask you final question on that. Do you think that it may play into Cyborg mentally that she's going back to the site of the loss to Amanda? Because remember, that happened at the forum.
1: Nah, I don't think so
0: so all that but that part won't be, won't play yeah, into yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, right.
1: I'm talking about her her her, her psyche, right? I'm I'm, I'm banking on, on that psyche being maybe her downfall, but but in
0: but that uh, part won't be part of it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. Regarding <laughs> your question, no, I don't think so. I don't think the specific I don't think specifically the, the location is going to trigger anything. I think just the fact that it happened is, is more important. I mean, even Daniel Cormier
0: was like, I'm never coming back to Anaheim. And I'm like, oh, dang, man, <laughs> they really got you. But uh, I mean, I get it, right? It's, uh, you know, bad memories. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I feel like if Cyborg looks nervous, I would not be surprised if she said, yeah, it got to me. I was in the same tunnel. I was in under the lights and it got to me. I don't know if that's going to happen with her this time, though. So I guess we'll see. All right, so there we have it. We are in, so we are split. Uh, Natalie has Julia Budd for the win. I'm going to go with Chris Cyborg, getting the job done. And then we both have Curtis Blades in UFC action. Also over there, they have Rafael Dos Anjos and Michael Chiesa at welterweight. That seems to be a very good one. Very talented welterweights there. Uh, Natalie, don't get scared. We have Uh one week off. Of major MMA next week. What? I know. It kind of like, you know, we're <laughs> used to it. And then it's like, wait, are we about to go off for like three weeks again? And it's just one. And then the week after that, we have the big one, UFC 247. John Jones, Dominic Reyes, your sister, Valentina Shevchenko, taking on oh, Caitlin yeah. Chukagian. So there's going to be good stuff there.
1: All right, so we have plenty of time to uh, prepare ourselves for that episode, and uh, yes, so we hopefully could... some big news builds up before the next before next week's episode.
0: Oh, wouldn't that be nice? And guys, <laughs> also gonna remind you right now, stay tuned to my channel and uh, at Double G on TV. I will be at UFC, sorry, at Bellator two thirty eight stuff all week. You can find my interviews with the undercard tomorrow. The main card on Thursday, the fights on Saturday, all of that in between. So you are not going to want to miss it. You can find me at Double G on TV. Natalie, where can the fans find you?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Natalie Zamudio underscore. And on Instagram, I am uh, Zamudio Rama and also The Straight Punch. Both of those are ready and waiting for you guys.
0: Awesome. Guys, have a good one. We'll be back next week.